Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Tuesday, February 22nd, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Slingbox, which can turn your iPad into a television. With the new iPad app from Slingbox, you can watch your home TV on your iPad anywhere you go. Check it out at slingbox.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. This is the show where we kick around the tech news of the day along with you. I'll try to make some sense of it all. First of all, big thanks to Darren Kitchen. Uh, for filling in on the show last Friday, hosting the show, along with Ayaz Akhtar and Nilay Patel uh, in my absence, did a great job. In fact, I'm I'm happy that they let me come back and host the show again. They did such a good job. Uh, I am alone today. Jason Howe out on vacation, uh, but thankfully I've got a couple of great people to help out with the show. Joining us, of course, from Revision 3's Techzilla and Core on the Sony PlayStation Network, Ms. Veronica Belmont. Hello, Tom. Thanks, uh, thanks for for keeping me company on today's TNT. It would have been very lonely to do it alone. I'm sorry, you're so lonely. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not anymore because I have you, and also very excited uh, to have on the show Phil Allingham, attorney at law. Tom, how are you? It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's good to be here, uh, Phil. Some of you may recognize if you watched Tech TV back in the day. He used to run the lab at Tech TV. He was a producer on Screensavers and Call for Help. Even hosted Call for Help for a short period of time. Uh, and but now you're you're a lawyer and uh, and an industry analyst. Well, thank you. I think that uh, <laughs> nice of you to say. And it's probably maybe one or two of your viewers may recall me, but you know. No, I, I collected their names in the chat room uh, for you, so I can put you in touch with them. Oh, yeah. Send it forward. To, forward that to me. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's start off with a, uh, a look at Amazon's new instant video system that is being given to us uh, today. If you are a paid Prime subscriber, Prime Amazon Prime is the thing that you pay $79 a year, and you get free two-day shipping on most of the things Amazon sells. Uh, mm-hmm. They have now automatically given anyone who's a paid Prime subscriber, there are some free Prime accounts, and they don't count for this. If you're a student account with free Prime, you don't get it. Paid Prime subscribers get access to over 5,000 pieces of content, including TVs and movies, uh, TVs, TV shows and movies streaming over the Internet. So like a Netflix uh, streaming service, right? Yeah, totally. This is actually very interesting because I think it speaks a lot to what Amazon has planned for Prime going forward in that it be some kind of special cool kids club in a way. Like not only will you get the free shipping, you'll get the free streaming on Netflix. Maybe you'll get access to early releases of books, that kind of stuff. I mean, I can really see them going there. It seems a little disjointed, I would I'd say. I mean, it it from going from a, you know, a two-day shipping policy to now here have some some free video. Um I understand what they're trying to do. I think Veronica's entirely right, but it, you know, maybe come up with a, a different title or do it in a different way. Now it's just kind of a, a attack on it. It's from a business perspective. I'm not sure how they're trying to drive business with this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I think it's a it's an incentive to want to subscribe to Prime, right? I mean, Prime Prime is sort of a weird thing where you're prepaying your shipping, and if you think you're going to ship enough things. 
then you will probably make uh, a little bit of savings on it. But it also encourages you to buy more things from Amazon. So mm-hmm. you may not save money or maybe you stop buying things at other places and buy them for Amazon, which is how Amazon makes their money. How does that tie into uh, streaming video for free? I think this is just a test. I think this is a thing where they're saying, you know, we want to start this service, but we don't want to get into the business of going head to head with Netflix. So let's let's beta test it with Prime subscribers and just make it a perk. Well, Why do you think exactly- they are going up against Netflix on this? Yeah, I, obviously they are going up against Netflix, but I think they're, they don't want to go head to head with a, you know, pay $8 for our service versus pay $8 for Netflix because they don't have the titles added yet. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good, always, that's a that's good thought a for sure. I, I don't know. I still think it's some kind of premium thing that they're working on for the future. I've always been, I've been a Prime subscriber for maybe the past two years or so, on and off though. I think I did it for one year, then stopped for six months and then signed up for another year. And I don't really find myself ordering that much stuff on Amazon. I probably order books over Kindle more than anything else. And that doesn't really help me that much. But having other perks like being able to stream video content like this may encourage me to continue being a subscriber. Yeah, I just wonder if it's going to bring new subscribers to the uh, the Amazon Prime um, service. So, it's uh, I think they are going. And and Tom, I think you're right. They're they're you know they've got Netflix square in their sights on this one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they can develop the content relationships because that's really what's going to push this. Is is you know there's no reason to have it if there's nothing there you want to see. Now, Netflix today uh, announced a deal with CBS. Peter Kafka over at All Things D says, Netflix fires back at Amazon. I have a feeling this had nothing to do with Amazon. It just probably was a coincidental timing. But uh, they have signed on a deal with CBS to bring mostly older shows, library shows from CBS to Netflix. So shows like Star Trek and Cheers and MacGyver, uh, old episodes, will now be available as part of Netflix streaming. Unlike the deals they've done with, say, Disney, there aren't any current shows in this library. Uh, stuff that's airing today, Peter Kafka points out Medium as an example. I don't know if that would have been my first CBS example, but maybe that's the only one he could get confirmation on. Uh, shows like Medium won't be available until next year. So you have to wait a season. You can't watch current episodes. Yeah, this is them firing back. Not so much. Not so much with the fire. With the good ammo. Yeah. <laughs> Although Star Trek, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Star Trek. No, it, it's good for Netflix. It's it's certainly not. I mean, Netflix is miles and miles ahead of Amazon as far as content selection right now. That that's why I think this is just testing the waters for Amazon. I think I think you're right, Veronica, that they want to go head to head with Netflix eventually, but they they're waiting right now. They just want to work the kinks out of things, build up that library. Once they've figured out that their service is smoothed out, they've got the library they want. Then I think that's when they head head against Netflix and start offering a version of the service that you don't have to be a Prime member to get access to. And what's nice is they already have the storage and the kind of infrastructure to support this kind of thing. Let's move on to Apple Rumor Palooza. Uh, there's a there's a ton of them out there today. We'll try to wade through them as quickly as possible. Uh, Cara Swisher over at All Things D says Apple iPad 2 event is set for March 2nd. They haven't actually sent out the invite, so we don't have official word from Apple. Uh, but Kara, as well as a few other people, have said we've got multiple sources saying there will be an Apple event for March 2nd, and it's likely to be about iPad 2. There are also a couple of interesting uh, stories today in uh, from a Taiwanese brokerage company called Yuanta Securities. 
saying that production bottlenecks at Apple's manufacturing partners would delay the next iPad by as much as two months. Then Jim Dalrymple over at The Loop said that's a bunch of crap. He didn't really provide any analysis to back it up. He just said not true. Uh, Hmm. So who knows whether it's delayed or not. If there's going to be a March 2nd announcement, it can't be that delayed, right? Well, and even if it's a March 2nd announcement, it doesn't mean they have to start shipping right away. That's true. I mean, they could announce March 2nd that the iPad will be available at the same time as the iPhone in June. I don't think so, though. I think we'll see the iPad sooner or later. I, I For some reason, I, my gut says Dalrymple's probably right, that that the, the sort of security chain, uh, supply chain rumors tend to be exaggerated sometimes. Then I'm going to stab Apple myself in the eye with a fork. Apple has a history of um, um, not announcing a product and waiting months and months and months to get it to market. They they tend to bring things um, a little bit more quickly than than, for instance, um, uh, I guess the the BlackBerry. You know the, uh, the the playbook, which has been rumored forever and ever, and then well, who knows when that we're going to see that? We're going to see that in a couple of weeks, is my guess. That's 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 what we hear, um, and I hope that's true. Because they said Q1. This is heating up. Yeah. Q1. Yeah. So and Mar- so a couple of weeks would be middle of March, maybe end of March. They'll make it by the skin of their teeth in Q1. Well, you know, skin of your teeth is good. That's that's all you need. Also, Veronica said she would uh, stab her eye with a fork when if uh, if Spore didn't come out soon a while mm. back. That was a long time ago. So you've yes. made a lot of stabbing your eye promises over the years that haven't been fulfilled. I hope hasn't happened yet. I know. Yeah. What, did it come true with with? Uh, no, they took a long time, and I didn't stab my you eye. Did not stab fork. your eye. Yeah. Uh, I'm just annoyed because I already bought the iPad like four months ago, and now the new one's coming out. I don't know why I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm just annoyed with myself. Apple also scheduled a secret retail employee meeting this weekend, uh, asking its employees to sign a non-disclosure agreement ahead of the all hands meeting. Can't be all hands if they don't all sign the document, though. Uh, Apple Insider had reported that some Apple retailers are receiving a warning from the company not to open a sealed pallet of shipments due to arrive sometime this week. Now, this, everyone thinks, is new MacBooks, which are not going to be announced on March 2nd because all the rumors say that we're going to get new MacBook Pros on March 1st. So, obviously, that would happen before... We would get uh, new iPads. And other people are saying it's not even going to wait till March 1st. We're going to see new MacBook Pros later this week on Steve Jobs' birthday. <laughs> really? I did hear that they were not taking orders for new MacBooks or, or maybe it was MacBook Pros in the past week or so because they are waiting for a refresh. The, uh, yeah, Best Buy, uh, Best Buy SKUs were uncovered too, saying that MacBook Pros uh, would be there. Uh, Steve Jobs celebrates his 56th birthday this Thursday, though. Do you think that they would just... I mean, MacBook Pros don't get their own announcement anymore. Those days are gone. And in fact, a lot of people are saying this isn't going to be that much of a refresh. Gene Munster says it's just going to be faster processors, not a dramatic redesign. We might see Light Peak added as an option uh, for connectivity, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not supposed to look any different than the current MacBook Pros. Yeah, well, then probably no big announcement. I think if there were to be an announcement, it would be about the iPad at this point. Yeah, and that will come... March 2nd. There we go. We've we've come full circle in our rumorness. Let's move on to uh, Xbox Connect hackers getting a gift. Uh, Microsoft made an announcement at a uh, an open day, kind of an open house thing, at the Microsoft Research Center near Seattle, saying that Xbox Connect technology will uh, put out an SDK 
to allow amateur software developers to experiment with it. So, Phil, kind of the opposite of what they did when they when the first Connect hacks hit the scene. Uh, Microsoft immediately said anyone who violates our terms of service will be sued. Then they backpedaled really quickly and said, well, you don't have to violate our terms of service to play with it. Now they're actually going to make it easy to hack around with the Connect. Well, it's very enlightened by Microsoft, really, isn't it? It's, um, it's, they've got a great technology. Um, people have been using it for all kinds of interesting things already. And why not make it open to, to a larger community to do things with it? And, and I guess, as I understand it, this SDK is for personal use and not, and not for um, um, professional, but that will be coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think the, uh, you know, the, the hacker community and, and people who are going to modify this thing and, and create new uses for it, more power to them. And I, it's only going to benefit Microsoft because it's such a unique product and there isn't anything else out there really on the market that does the same thing. Yeah, I think this is a good move on, on Microsoft's part. And uh, um, it's probably not revolutionary and it's probably not something you should give Microsoft too much credit for. But it does take a little effort. And I think they are they, it dawned on them that they'll win not only a good PR victory, but possibly if they control an SDK and can get their hooks into what these people are developing, they, they win a chance to have some innovation uh, and a step up in any ways the connector used that they can take advantage of for their products. Well, they've had a lot of success, too, with like XBLA and letting developers, professional mm -hmm. and amateur, work in that environment. So maybe this could be something that they do use for people actually selling small Kinect games on the marketplace in the future. Yeah, really good point. I hadn't even thought of that. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, thank our sponsor, Slingbox, which can turn your iPad into a television right now. You don't have to wait for a new one. Get it right now. Slingbox, you can watch your home TV on your iPad anywhere you go. It's different and all these other video services you hear in the news, uh, some companies say their system lets you watch TV everywhere, but only Slingbox lets you watch your home TV from whomever you get your service from, wherever you go, without limitations. You're not limited to certain channels. You don't have to pay extra for special services. You're not blacked out of your sports because you don't happen to be in the right town at the time. If you legally receive television at your home, you can sling it to your iPad, to your BlackBerry, to your computer, wherever you have an internet connection. Check it out at Best Buy or Amazon, and you can learn more at slingbox.com, the easiest way to watch your home TV wherever you are on the internet. Good, good stuff. A French search company is launching another antitrust complaint at Google. Uh, OnePlus V is behind the legal search engine eJustice. Fr, and they say Google won't allow the site to use AdSense to make money. And they filed a complaint with the European Commission. This is the second complaint they've filed with the European Commission. They also were among the uh, search engines that filed a complaint saying Google is uh, listing them lower in search results because they're being anti-competitive. So they think that they're being blacklisted for AdSense? They, well, it's hard to say. I say I haven't found a really good explanation of what they mean by uh, not allowed to make money by AdSense. For Ars Technica speculates that maybe it's certain keywords are blocked because there are there are blocks on certain keywords that you can buy. You know, uh, and they gotcha. very well may not. They very well may not know. They may just sort of have a speculation. It's sort of an add-on. Let's let let's jump on Google while we can. And being a search engine, um, it's going to add a little credibility to their story. You're, and, and, and Google's a nice, big, fat target for these sorts of things right now. 
Do you think, though, either one of you uh, jump in with this, do you think that Google has an obligation to equally uh, index search because of their predominance in the search market? Or can they say, like most any other search engine could say, is, hey, it's my company. I can list my stuff high if I want, and I can take money from people or not, however I feel like makes the best product. I absolutely think they have, they have, they have no sort of legal obligation to do so. Um, I can't imagine why they would, um, unless they reach some level of, and and there's been some talk that you know Google is almost like a a utility in the fact that you know you dial, if you dial four one one, you expect to get um, you know reasonable information back, and if they've reached that level and they're regulated, well maybe, but to the fact that it's a private company or you know publicly held company, but a um, um, not one that is is uh, under government control, um, I say they're free to do what they want. It's funny because I think that people start to assume that since Google is so all-encompassing online and that we use it for so many different aspects of our lives, from Google Voice to search to maps, that they should treat everyone equally when it comes to search results. But Phil is absolutely right. They're under no obligation to do so. Then why is everyone suing them? Is it just because they have deep cash pockets? Well, Probably. Amp- well, <laughs> that's always that's always the first thing you look at if you're going to sue somebody. Um, but if the, if it's anti-competitive behavior to the degree that they're actually excluding people from the market, and they're able to throw their industry weight around, and and I'm not particularly familiar with what the European anti-competitive um, uh, law would be in that regard. But there's a general sense that if, if you're so large that you can crush a competitor and keep them out, um, then, you know, maybe they're doing something wrong. There's kind of a, uh, um, uh, it's, it's a populist type of idea, but it's one that's really lost a lot of sway over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. Yeah, it's, it is lucky that we had Phil on the show today because we've got a wealth of legally oriented stories. Uh, IVI.com. I don't know if we've mentioned them on the show before. They are a company up in Seattle that streams television over the Internet for a fee. So you pay something around $5 a month and you get access to cable channels and broadcast channels. Now, the cable channels, they actually strike arrangements with just like any other service would for the legal right to stream them. Uh, but the broadcast channels... They actually just take over-the-air broadcasts and put them on the Internet. This has angered many of the broadcast channels. Uh, Unlike Philmon, though, which does a similar thing, Ivy actually has at least a token legal defense. They say, we pay a uh, compulsory license to the Copyright Office per a 1970 law, or 1970s era law, and therefore, it is legal for us as a as an operator of a cable network because we're giving television over cables that uh, we are allowed to do this. Sneaky. Judge did not agree. Uh, Judge Naomi Buchwald ruled today that Ivy is now under a preliminary injunction and must stop the retransmissions. She really laid in to Ivy on this stuff. Well, part of this interestingly enough and 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 the law that they're they're relying on um comes out of a there was a time when rural america did not have access to broadcast television not real america rural america rural america and so the fcc in all its wisdom um decided that that what should happen is that if you're a broadcaster then then you should 
be able to, or, or, or a cable company back then, you should be able to take these over-the-air broadcasts, give it to these sort of geographically limited areas. You can pay this compulsory fee, and then the, the big broadcasters can't say no, and everybody benefits. Um, clearly, that's not exactly, I think, what's happening in this case, because it's being broadcast out to everybody, and, and I suspect that they have a, a financial interest in, in putting that. And the fee, by the way, is... Incredibly, I think it's like a hundred dollars that gets paid. Um, right, the uh, compulsory the, license that they pay to the copyright office is pretty low. Yeah, it 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 would pale in comparison to any kind of contract that they have with with a cable company or or a cable um, uh, network. So um, they are kind of skirting the issues. And 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 generally, if a judge gets wind of something like that, that someone's trying to bend the rules. Um, they're certainly going to grant, in this case, you know, the temporary injunction. Now, why, uh, just, just, a, just curious, why shouldn't this be allowed? I mean, and, and, and granted, this compulsory license from the 70s probably doesn't apply to this situation because it's the Internet and, and so many things have changed. And, and Judge Buchenwald, Buchwald made, made this pretty clear in some of the quotes uh, that I've read. But why shouldn't I be able to take an over-the-air broadcast and retransmit it over the internet, uh, if that ju- if that just increases the viewership, I mean, the signal is freely broadcast, and they make their money based on the advertisements getting seen. Doesn't that just mean more people will see those advertisements? But are they losing the ability to track the advertisements at that point? Is there any way that you can track over their advertisements? Well, you can track over the advertisements by Nielsen. So theoretically, mm-hmm. Nielsen just needs to account if someone's seeing it on their browser instead of seeing it on their television. I think it's a public policy question more than it is a, uh, you know, is it going out over wires? And, and you have to look back at what the FCC, the intent of the law back when it was enacted. And, and you know, they were trying to foster um, getting broadcast, you know, news, information and entertainment um, across the country and into areas where, you know, the broadcast the, over the airwaves um, just wasn't reaching. And so you take that element out of it. And you're, you, you've kind of lost the intent of, of what the original law was about. Well, we've had this kind of problem in so many different forms in the past few years over, you know, TV online. And as Tomahoma reminded me in the chat room, like, you know, why Hulu is blocked on Google TV. And it's all about figuring out how to get money for these retransmissions for things that are going over on different methods, like whether it's over, you know, read broadcasting over the air transmissions or whether it's showing shows on an online TV. So it's it's no one's really figured out a good way to do it yet. I just, I just think it's trying to put the genie back in the bottle in some ways locally because I can put a TV tuner card in my laptop and watch TV on my, my laptop. I can use Ivy with a computer that's hooked up to a television and it's no different than if I was watching the broadcast brought in over an antenna. So I don't see what the difference is there. The one thing I can see that they could really object to is the idea that a New York station can now be seen in California. They're, they say they're limited to the United States, but they don't limit it to the, the viewing area. And I know uh, television stations, you know, really rely on having the people in your area watching your version of NBC. And if I can go watch New York's NBC, that hurts the San Francisco NBC because I'm not watching it and seeing their ads. It's an interesting point that you, that you bring up and, and, and part of that um, protecting the local broadcaster um, was part of the intent there as well. But um, 
you know, it's a new age and and old law uh, does not keep up with technology. That's just that's, that's for you know, sure. That's just a fact. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got a uh, we got another uh, lawsuit going on between Sony and George Hotz. We've talked about that a lot uh, on this show. But a similar lawsuit is a class action lawsuit against Sony for removing the ability to install another OS. Other OS used to be a thing on PS3 where you could install Linux, for instance, on your PS3. Sony took that away with a firmware upgrade. A class action lawsuit was brought. Three of the four claims have been thrown out, but the judge allowed one claim to stand the claim that Sony violated the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act by removing the other OS option. Now that, funnily enough, is the same law under which Sony is suing George Hotz for hacking the PS3. There's a little clarification um, here, Tom, is that you know this is a motion, a motion to dismiss, and so um, it, this is no, this is not, it's not a final ruling by by any stretch of the imagination. Basically what the judge is looking at is, you know, in the complaint and the facts that have been presented by the plaintiffs, the class action in this case, or the, the potential class members, um, have you pled, have you stated facts that are sufficient to support your claim? And so in some of those, uh, well, in all, I guess, except for the uh, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, um, the judge has decided they haven't. And but they, the judge has also granted leave to amend. And so when you have a dispositive motion um, like this, you know, a, a motion that's going to take away someone's right to bring their, their cause of action, have it heard in front of the, the, the courts, um, the court says here, yes, we're going to grant the, the motion um, unless you go and, and, and plead something. Tell me something more. I need more. Give me some more, and then 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 we'll think about it. Then. So, so this essentially isn't a blow to Sony at all. This is uh, the last chance for the class action lawsuit to prove that it's got any case. It's it sounds like it's it's sort of clinging to a thread the way you're putting it. Well, it it leads towards you know this is a good thing for Sony because now you know you put a little more pressure back on the the plaintiffs to come up with a, a viable cause of action. Um, I think they've got an uphill battle on some of the um, the claims. I mean, there were a variety of them. The the three that seem to be the the most weighty are the um, um, these warranty. Uh, you know, there's an express warranty and an implied warranty. Those were were hotly debated. Those two have both been um, um, stricken as 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 we stand. Although it'll be interesting to see if the plaintiffs come back. And the last was the computer fraud. That's the one that the judge has said. And Sony's yeah, they, still they, trying to use its enough. warranty as a as a defense against computer fraud and abuse. It says, look, we, we're not entering someone's computer illegally. We have granted them certain rights under the warranty, and those rights go away when the warranty expires. So we get to do whatever we want to the computer after that. Well, the express warranty is a warranty, you know, basically says... We as a company, we're stating that the product is going to do or not do something, and typically for some period of time. You know, your your car isn't going to break down for the first five years, your and if PS3 it does, three will be able to run other operating systems. Right, but there the the Sony's point along that line specifically is we said they didn't say how long. Um, so yes, it did when you bought it, but if we take it away after the fact. You know that's this is their claim yeah. is, is that we haven't we haven't breached an, an express warranty. That we have the right and to change that stuff anytime. At at some point in the future, and that's what they're that when they look at their um, uh, terms of service with with the uh, um, consumer, they're saying that they had the right to do that. 
Uh, over on the George Hotz side of things, uh, he is realizing that it's going to be very expensive. I, mean, I don't think he's realizing that. He's dealing with the fact that it's going to be very expensive to continue his case against Sony. Uh, he started a blog where he's laying out why he doesn't think he's guilty and why he wants to fight this. He says, look, I never pirated a Sony game. I've never encouraged people to pirate Sony games. All I'm trying to do is the same thing you're allowed to do to your smartphone. Jailbreak a device I bought to do something that I want with it that's not illegal. That is play homebrew games. Uh, so he started a blog, geohotgotsued.blogspot.com, uh, which explains his whole case and also asks for uh, donations for his legal fund because uh, it's, it's going to be pretty pricey. And he's got some people helping him, but... If you're interested in, in finding out more about his arguments, take a look at that. Uh, there's also some FUD out there about PlayStation hackers reportedly able to unban themselves and ban others. Uh, it turns out most of that is very theoretical. People trying to figure out how they could possibly do that, try to figure out ways in which they could do that. Uh, but I don't think anybody's actually figured that out. Of course, that relates to the fact last week that Sony said, if you're on the PlayStation Network with a hacked machine, we're going to ban you from the PlayStation Network and you won't be able to use it anymore. Uh, finally, should employers be allowed to ask for your Facebook login? We actually talked about this on Twit on Sunday, but I thought it was uh, so outlandish. We should we should bring it up again. The Atlantic reporting that the Maryland Department of Corrections uh, requires that new applicants uh, rep- or applications for recertification give the government not only their social media account usernames but also their personal passwords. This is insane. Sorry, I have to, have to make to a sandwich. I'm back now. <laughs> no, this is absolutely insane. This is basically like giving them the ability to go in and read your personal messages, which is basically like email at this point for a lot of people. So you're giving them access to private correspondence as well as your list of every single person you know on Facebook, your your private email addresses, your your phone numbers. Any information that you're storing on your Facebook profile can be accessed by these people who are basically trying to hire you. It's insane. Yeah, and and you know, it's Maryland law is really going to be what what this is going to come down to. In this case um, being there, the under California, uh, you know, we have a we have a constitutional right of privacy here in California under the California Constitution. There's no way. It is very unlikely. That <laughs> How lawyerly would, uh, of you! <laughs> very very <laughs> unlikely. This is this would fly in California. I, I can't imagine. It, it blows my mind. Is this something where they maybe just had a bad advisor telling them to do this? Like someone within the the Department of Corrections being like, oh, just ask them for their login information. That'll make everything all easy. Not even understanding really what they were asking for. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I've had background checks uh, done on me and and they they do ask for personal information from you that that you might not normally be willing uh to divulge but it's the kind of thing that you need to divulge if you want to be in a security sensitive position you know have you ever done drugs have you have you ever been committed crimes all of those sorts of things but they don't ask can we please read your email can we read your mail for the next couple months they don't ask for for keys to to locked items in your house Mm -hmm. uh and to me that's that's the analog here is they're saying, you know, giving up your Facebook ID and your Twitter ID so they can go look at your accounts. I think that would be fair under a certain background checks because that's mm-hmm. that stuff's there. Right. Saying, can we have the password to log in? And that that just over overreaches because they're not just getting access to your information. Then they're actually getting access to your entire uh, ability to post. That's exactly. Yeah. 
It's it's this is a this is strange. I they've definitely gone a step too far. Now, what you've posted on Facebook now that could be completely relevant. Sure, you know? you'd, you'd want to know what somebody has said. Um, certainly, there have been similar cases. There's the uh, National Labor Relations Board, is a uh, government organization that oversees um, the right to collective bargaining. So, if, if if there's a union out there, and they certainly have come down on the side that you even as a as a union member, you can't be told by your employer that you can't do something like go and make a disparaging statement against your boss. Even you know that is protected. Mm-hmm. So if if you can't be if you can't in that situation be held accountable, how could they ask to go in and and, and see everything that 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 you've done? Uh, you know, on a similar point, I have seen employers starting to ask their employees, um, you know, do you have a Facebook account? And we have a policy that you don't, um, and so you're going to have to tell us either that you don't have one. Or if you have one, you're going to close it before, you know, as a as a uh, precondition to employment. That's a, you know maybe a, a, a slightly more tenable position for an employer to take, but um, not 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 what not what the uh, not what Maryland's doing in this one. We had uh, one guy who who was listening to us. Uh, Aussie TB was listening to us talk about this on Twit. And he suggested if a company wants to do a background check check that includes Facebook activities, just uh, ask to be accepted as a friend. Just put in a friend request. (laughs) And then you could friend the background checker, and then he can see everything in your profile. It's still not the same. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Let's move on to uh, the news fuse. The Motorola Zoom. I'm still playing with how to pronounce the X in Zoom, is expected to go on sale this week with Android 3.0 Honeycomb, but not Adobe Flash, apparently. One of the big advantages it's supposed to have over the iPad. That pain won't last as long as it does on iOS, though, which will never get Adobe Flash. Adobe says that Flash Player 10.2, the version of Flash that will be compatible with upcoming Android tablets, will be ready within a few weeks, at which point it will be available for over-the-air installation on any Android 3.0 tablets that already are out there, like the Zoom. Zoom, yes. And Windows Phone 7 got an update, but it's still just an update to the updater. How cruel is that? (laughs) To add insult to the injury, many Windows Phone users report the updater update bricked their phone. Microsoft is looking into the problem and recommends returning the phone to the store to have it exchanged if you're having the problem. Ouch. Wow. Ow. It's not even a good update, and it bricks your phone. How, How rude. Uh, Nintendo announced today that launch titles for the 3DS game consoles will cost 40 bucks. 16 titles were announced, including uh, three from Nintendo, like the new 2011 Mario Kart, Pilot Wings Resort, which uses the 3D screen to good effect, I hear. Uh, titles like The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D, Star Fox 64 3D, and Kid Icarus Uprising. Uh, and even new installments of Mario Kart series will be coming later in 2011. Hey, Tom, are you one of those audio snobs who think MP3s sound like you're dragging audio files through a pile of rotten corpses? Uh, no, I have a tin ear. But Jason uh, Howell can tell the difference. Well, for those of you out there who do, take heart. Uh, CNN reports that Apple iTunes and other digital music retailers are negotiating with record labels to offer professional quality 24-bit audio tracks. Audio players might need some updating to be able to play the tracks, however. 
New HP CEO Leo Appletecker presided over his first earnings call uh, since taking over the top spot at the company last November. HP said Q1 revenue rose 4% year over year to $32.3 billion. That missed the $32.9 billion estimate, though. Earnings per share did beat estimates, but HP stock still dipped after the announcement. Ouch. Another ouch. Ow. And Verizon's in trouble with the FCC, though not over net neutrality. Net neutrality. <laughs> not, <after laughs> not over net, net neurology. Neutrality. Neurology, um, something that uh, you some often think of as a problem of other carriers out there, dropped calls. Reports indicate that Verizon's network failed to connect 10,000 calls to 911 numbers in Washington suburbs during the January 26 snowpocalypse. Verizon says they're addressing the issue and called it a mass call event. Yes, it was a mass call event. Well, except for the people who couldn't make calls. A mass fail event. Yeah. Uh, using your phone as a cash register just got cheaper. Mobile payments company Square is dropping the per transaction charge for any business using its mobile payments device and service. Square previously charged 2.75% of each transaction amount plus a flat 15 cents per transaction fee. Today, Square is dropping the 15 cent charge. So all you pay is the 2.75% per transaction. And on a sadder note, uh, we want to take a moment to acknowledge the earthquake in Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, We hope any of our listeners out there are safe and sound. Google is offering its person finder database to help people in Christchurch find friends and family. The address is Christchurch-2011.person-finder.appspot.com. They could have made it a little easier to find. Uh, The service was first offered in Haiti after last January's earthquake. Yeah, that's it was a pretty bad earthquake. And and what's really odd about it is they had a 7.1. This was a 6.3. But the 7.1 was deeper and farther away, so it didn't cause as much damage. Uh, the the big cathedral in, in Christchurch, which I've actually walked up to the top of, uh, the entire steeple just destroyed. Uh, really, yeah. really scary stuff out there. So. I saw some before and after pictures of it, and it's just devastating. Yeah, heart goes out to all y'all in, uh, in Christchurch. All right, uh, finishing up with a little bit of weird science. Cornell University scientists have successfully printed out, using a 3D printer, a silicone replacement human ear. That's right. So if your ear gets chopped off, you'll be able to print out a new one. It's uh, a little odd, but uh, I think that the whole 3D printing is, is and 3D, um, that technology is going to change um, it's it's a huge step forward for especially um, um, small inventors, um, people at home or who are manufacturing things. This is, is is obviously a pretty interesting use of that. But um, I like you know, the technology. Being able to print out heart valves and and replacement parts of all kinds is, is pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff there. Um, it's just creepy looking right now I'm yeah like, i've seen some of those 3d printers in action before and they're pretty awesome i yeah. mean uh, i i saw one recently over at the tech shop down in menlo park and they basically use it to make prototypes for things that people are designing you know inventions and whatnot uh, but having it used in this kind of capacity i think is really ca- the next step in in making it that much more awesome all right let's move on to the calendar Hello, calendar. There's calendar. Legend of Zelda originated 25 years ago yesterday. We didn't have a show yesterday because of the President's Day holiday in the U.S., but we wanted to wish a happy 25-year birthday to the Legend of Zelda. Are you humming the Zelda theme? Nice. What? Uh, February 21st, 1986. Legend of Zelda came to the Famicom console in Japan. We are old. I'm 
So old. Uh, also on the calendar, Windows 7, Windows Server 2008 R2 Service Pack 1 has hit Windows Update. So if you're interested in that, take a look. AT&T Motorola Atrix 4G is now on sale for $150 at Amazon, or you can get it at uh, Radio Shack. And uh, apparently you can get it for a little cheaper at Walmart, $130. Verizon announced Zoom pricing with subsidy, $600 uh, with a two-year contract, $20 per month for one gigabyte of data. HP, according to DigiTimes, will start selling its WebOS 3.0-based touchpad in April. That's a little earlier than uh, was expected. We'll see if they're right about that. And Windows 8 beta for tablets due out in September. So says Mary Jo Foley out of, after uh, getting a sneak peek at a Windows 8 product map, which uh, led her to do a little math. She knows what she's talking about. She says we might see a Windows 8 beta as early as September and then it would go on sale mid-2012. Windows 8 already? That's crazy. The time just flies. Uh, you're going to be at South by Southwest, right, Veronica? No? Yeah. I am, yeah, yeah for, right. um, from Saturday to Tuesday morning. Excellent. Want to be on TNT on Sunday? Um, I'm working on it. You're the, that's the third time you've asked, Tom. I'm um, working on it. Matt Millian's going to be on. Third time. Just, you know, so, just so you know. I'm looking at my schedule. South by Southwest coverage <laughs> on Twit begins on Saturday. Uh, the, Leo will be doing the Tech Guy live at 1 o'clock from an Austin radio station. We'll also be wandering around with the live view that day. And then we're having a meetup. Uh, we'll be at Momo's in Austin for quite a while on Sunday, March 13th, starting at 1 p.m. with the Tech Guy live from Momo's. Tech News Today starts right after that at 4 o'clock, Veronica. Uh, 5 o'clock, <laughs> Twit from Momo's. And then at 7 o'clock, a general meetup right after Twit. So if you're going to be in Austin, even if you're not there for South by Southwest, if you just live there, you're passing through, come see us Sunday, March 13th at Momo's. On to the email to TNT at twit.tv. Aaron C., we know him from the chat room, says, here's an angle on all the hoopla about Apple's onerous subscription terms. We've been talking about this a lot. Uh, Aaron says, I predict magazines will break themselves up into smaller chunks. We'll use the Wall Street Journal as an example. Substitute whichever ones you want. The Wall Street Journal would separate into the Wall Street Journal syndication that writes the articles. Next Android Street Journal would get most of its content from Wall Street Journal syndication, then Apple Street Journal, Wall Street Journal Web, etc. You'll get a few authors or at least editors moving into these divisions that will really solidify it as a separate business. You'll even see a lot more authors going freelance and just happen to sell their articles exclusively to all of the previous Wall Street Journal properties. And of course, what Aaron's proposing is a way around Apple's requirement that if you sell your subscription outside of the app store at a certain price, it has to be sold within the app at the same price or lower. I think, I think it's brilliant. I think what Aaron's up to is, is totally brilliant. Yeah. It's like, well, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's the Android Street Journal. It's the Wall Street Journal Android. It's not the same paper. We have different. <laughs> we have two different stories in that one. That's very clever. You think it would All work? Right, and then the next email. Hey, guys. Insert obligatory love for the show remark. I listen to you guys whilst I work. So needless to say, I'm a bit behind on shows. Was listening to episode 180 and heard the remark Jason made about the shortcut buttons at the top of your keyboard. Just thought I'd let you know I use those buttons so frequently that some of the lettering has worn off a few of them. Consider my two cents given. Keep kicking the news, Donald. That's the person that used them. Thank He's you for the guy. Thank you for writing in, Donald. All right, uh, that's it for this edition of Tech News Today. Phil Allingham, thank you so much uh, for being on the show and sharing your legal wisdom with us. Well, thank you, Tom. I've had a fabulous time. Uh, if people want to find out more about you or what you're doing, uh, where should they go? Uh, you can always come over to my website at pga-law.com. 
And Veronica Belmont, a pleasure, as always. Which of your many enterprises would you like to highlight, Sword and Laser? Yes, actually, I do want to talk about Sword and Laser because that was one of our one of my favorite episodes that we recorded yesterday. Um, an interview with Patrick Rothfuss, who just finished writing, who's going on book tour for um, the next book in his King Killer Chronicle series. Um, started with the Name of the Wind, and he's got a new book coming out on March first. And so we interviewed him, and he was a great, great guest, and we had a blast. So yeah, definitely check that out at swordandlaser.com. And of course, you can find all of my stuff linked to from about.me/slash Veronica. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll be back tomorrow with an all-new tech news today. Twit.tv slash TNT is our website. TNT at twit.tv is our email address. And you can give us a call. 260-TNT-SHOW. We'll see you tomorrow.